0: Well, hello and welcome to Binge Watch, the podcast where we take a look at the hottest new TV and film releases on streaming television platforms. I'm Hannah Fernando, the editor of Woman Magazine.
1: And I'm Ian McEwan, writer on TV and Satellite Week magazine and whattowatch.com. Today we're looking at the new releases for the week starting Friday, the 27th of May 2022, including Apple TV's dinosaur documentary presented by David Attenborough, Prehistoric Planet. And The Return of Stranger Things on Netflix.
0: And we'll also be looking at Series 2 of The Flight Attendant on Now TV and Disney's latest Star Wars spin-off, Obi-Wan Kenobi. But first, Ian, what is in the news?
1: Josh Widdicombe will team up with Nish Kumar for Now TV's Hold the Front Page, a six-part series that follows the pair's comical venture into journalism. There we go. <laughs> uh, what else is in the news, Hannah?
0: <laughs> um, James Corden and Sally Hawkins will star in Amazon Prime Video's hotly anticipated comedy-drama Mammals from the award-winning writer Jazz Butterworth.
1: Well, pretty good selection this week. We're going to start on Apple TV Plus with a new wildlife series with a bit of a difference. It arrives on Monday the 23rd of May There are five episodes, but one playing each day. So it's from the 23rd to the 27th. Um, It's called Prehistoric Planet. And here's a clip. On May 23rd. Join us for a story you've never heard on a scale you've never witnessed. Well, Hannah, what was life on Earth like 66 million years ago when dinosaurs roamed the land, seas and skies? The good news is, you're about to find out in this fantastic new wildlife series presented by Sir David Attenborough and showing on Apple TV. This is from John Favreau, who, of course, burst onto the scene in, do you remember Swingers, the movie with Vince Vaughn? which he wrote and starred in. It was brilliant. Since then, of course, he's been a regular in the Iron Man movies as an actor. And he moved into directing. He's done things such as the live-action Jungle Book. And now he's doing this. So, as you might imagine, there's some pretty impressive CGI, which is bringing the world of the dinosaurs vividly to life. And, of course, having Attenborough on board just gives it that stamp of quality, doesn't it? And what's quite clever about it is that, you know, including using Attenborough to do the narration and to introduce it, the way they filmed it, it's it's to make it look as if they really are filming creatures in the wild, and it's incredibly effective. So episode one starts with slightly surprising footage of a T-Rex swimming. There used to be a, a sea that divided North America, So you've got this male T-Rex swimming across uh, with its little brood of mini T-Rexes. And, of course, they had very light bones like birds. So they were actually quite good swimmers. Um, So you're going to see dinosaurs interacting. You're going to see the kind of their mating rituals. Of course, you'll see the hunting and and how also they, they kind of interact with the rest of the wildlife that existed back then. So it It looks absolutely staggering, and you will certainly see I saw some dinosaurs that I had never heard of before some some remarkable looking creatures so yeah, i mean if if you're into your dinosaurs, if you're into your wildlife documentaries, you are absolutely going to love this. What did you think, Hannah?
0: well? anything with the name David Attenborough involved has got to be good hasn't it and I'm quite um my brother when we were growing up absolutely loved dinosaurs so I feel like my dinosaur knowledge is probably better than it should be um but it's just fantastic because it just brings the whole thing to life because you know if you go to the Natural History Museum you know the kind of sheer size of these creatures is something quite unfathomable isn't it really I mean it's just it's just hard to get your head around I always think my chickens look a bit like dinosaurs when they run towards you but not in quite the same scale but it it's just so well done you would imagine and and as I say having David Attenborough involved it's it's going to have that real real sheer quality um a star quality about it And and I think you learn things as well well for me um you know you 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 learn interesting facts and kind of see there's been lots of sort of things like this done before but i i don't know if you agree but i think this is sort of taking it to a whole nother level um so yeah absolute thumbs up
1: one of the great events this year on streaming television is the eagerly anticipated return on netflix of stranger things is coming i'm afraid your friends at hawkins are very much in the eye of the storm
0: i don't have my powers
1: i don't know how to say this other than just to say it without you we can't win this war
0: Yes, it is. Now, Ian, I'm not quite sure why you're not talking about this, because I know you absolutely love Stranger Things. I'm going to pass off to the, to the master shortly about this. Um, but this is the third season. Now, I think it's good to kind of have a bit of a binge watch of, of, of the previous seasons, to be honest with you, um, just to kind of get the lay of the land and to see where things are at, because it does sort of pick up where it left off. Um, so the, just a quick, very quick recap. The third season ended in you know a spectacular fashion, as you'd imagine, um, and the gang duelled, the terrifying mind flare, and an explosive battle at Starkle Well, And it was it was exposed as a cover for a secret Russian facility. All quite uh, all quite current, isn't it? Anyway, <laughs> the new season will see the gang come up against the the horrible villainous Victor Kreel. Now, uh, having seen part of this, now it it's creepy. There's no doubt, about it. it's properly creepy. And Victor Creel is played by the horror legend Robert England, who starred as Freddy Krueger in Nightmare on Elm Street, who that still gives me nightmares, frankly, to this day. Um, he is a very disturbed killer. <laughs> We'd have to be disturbed to kill, kind of goes hand in hand. Um, uh, currently imprisoned in a psychiatric hospital for a gruesome murder in the 50s. Um, and he, the the voice the voiceover the absolute everything that comes with it has got real. Um, I don't know. It just it kind of cuts through me. I think even if you know that voice, it sort of it probably even reminds me of Nightmare on Elm Street. To be, honest with you. Um, but the voice just literally sort of slices through you, um, and it, he's. I don't know, I think, I think ever since the season one that they've wanted to, I know they, they, they've kind of interviewed the cast, they've always wanted to bring back a villain that can kind of speak to the characters and then get into their heads. And so this is a much more of a psychological horror, I suppose, um, instead of just kind of monsters and very real. And sometimes when they're real, it's not quite as scary, is it? So we pick up the story. Um, the young friends have been separated um, and they're now living in California. But the teenager who had her supernatural powers um, has lost them. Uh, And and we know that she's lost them. Uh, But they need to come back. She is the way to win the war. Now, Ian, you might like to pick up because I know you're very passionate about this series. For me, it utterly terrifies me. But I hung in there.
1: Yeah, so understandably, they've been quite strict on security around the new season. So we've only been allowed to watch the first eight minutes of episode one. I am a big fan of it. Uh, It's such an interesting mixture because it's got that real retro nineteen eighties setting, which they have a lot of fun with. It's got the supernatural element. It's also a sort of coming of age high school drama as well. There's quite quite a bit of comedy in it, and I felt they kind of ramped up the comedy a bit in season three. But judging from the beginning of this season, where we have Matthew Modine in a flashback, as the scientist who was overseeing the experiments with these kids into things like telekinesis. We we flash back to his facility, and there are all these kids there moving things with their minds and doing sort of thought experiments um, and, and showing you the kind of things that Eleven was able to do. And I won't spoil it by telling you what happens, but it's a shocking opening sequence. It's fantastic. Matthew Modena, I'm a huge fan of his. I think I first saw him in the Alan Park film. Birdie, what a great career he's had and things like Full Metal Jacket. And what a fine head of hair he has, Hannah, still. I'm assuming it is his own hair. He's got this great big mop of of grey hair. Anyway, yeah, it's so great to see Strange Things back. And and with these, you always wonder, "Mm, will it be as good as it was before, Uh, judging on what we've seen and the addition of Robert England as well? yeah they've absolutely upped the ante and um i'm sure fans are going to absolutely love it and it's great to see it back there have been many a spin-off from star wars over the years brace yourselves for the next one which i have to say does look pretty good it's called obi-wan kenobi it's on disney plus and here's a clip they're coming stay hidden
0: We will not survive.
1: Leave us alone. When the time comes, he must be trained. So I don't know if you've followed the Star Wars sagas over the years, Anna. but after the original movies came out, of course, um, then there were more films that went back in time. And whereas Alec Guinness had played the Jedi Master, Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original Star Wars, Ewan McGregor stepped up to play a younger version of Obi-Wan. Okay, you with me so far? So, this is a six-part series, and it's set after Obi-Wan's best friend and Jedi apprentice, Anakin Skywalker, turned to the dark side and became the evil Sith Lord Darth Vader. The Jedi are being hunted by the Empire and Obi-Wan, played by Ewan McGregor, is hiding on the desert planet of Tatooine, which of course fans will remember, that's where we first met the young Luke Skywalker, who was played by Mark Hamill in the original movie, who would go on to become a powerful Jedi. I'm not a great Star Wars fan particularly, but I would say, you know, Star Wars is kind of rivaling Marvel in how many spin-offs it's been producing. But I would say this is a superior spin-off. It's really good. I mean they've all been decent to be fair, but to see Ewan McGregor coming back to this role. It's more than twenty years since he picks up a lightsaber. Is great and he is always fantastic. He's a brilliant actor. Um we've also got Hayden Christensen reprising his role as Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader. So You know, if you're a Star Wars fan, it's all there. Great special effects, uh, lightsaber fights, spaceships. You know, it's dazzling. Um, It's not particularly my thing because I'm not heavily into the Star Wars universe. But if you are, well, you'll have been waiting for this with bated breath. And it looks very good. Hannah, are you a Star Wars fan? Have you ever dressed up as Princess Leia for a fancy dress party?
0: No, I've dressed my children up as Princess Leia. Um, probably quite lamely to be honest with you at some point. Um, no, I'm the same as you. I'm not a massive Star Wars fan, which, you know, I think you are where you are. There doesn't seem to be much in the middle, does there? But um you're right, it's good to see you and McGregor uh taking the role. And I think that you know, I think he was interviewed and he said that he really thought that the new series would satisfy star wars fans and it's a big thing isn't it because star wars has such a following that if you get it wrong you've absolutely had it i mean you'll be rinsed don't you um so i i i think i think it does have star quality and i and i think it i think if you're a star wars fan you are going to really enjoy it but am i am i a star wars fan no sadly not
1: fair enough well we're gonna finish with the much needed spot of well i say light relief <laughs> It's a comedy drama returning to Now TV, which you're going to tell us about, called The Flight Attendant.
0: It literally feels like you're living in a spy novel. What's going on, Cass? I'm an asset for the CIA. (laughs) I know, we said no more secrets, but you were just about to guess it anyway. What does it matter? Cassia, I was, like, literally nowhere close to figuring that out. Do you know what? I... It wasn't that long ago, it seems, that we talked about this, but yet I'd completely forgotten about it. It's one of those things that I remember quite enjoying at the time, and then I just completely forgot about it. But this is this is number two. Um, so, in the first season of the flight attendant, you'll remember that Cassie Bowden, played by played by Kaylee Cuoco, I think that's how you say her name. Um, she woke up in a hang with a bit massive hangover in a Bangkok hotel, and she discovered this dead man lying next to her, and it was all. It was all a bit weird, wasn't it? I think it took a while to kind of get your head around the whole thing. Um, and then she kind of found herself in the middle of this very big international conspiracy. Um, and so, but, you know, she 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 won an Emmy nomination for her performance as this alcoholic who which was absolutely spiralling. And so, you know, it, it, it was it was good, but it was just a weird premise. Now the series returns, obviously. It, it did well first time round. Um and it's, it is quite another, it is quite adventurous, this one too. So it's, it doesn't, it sort of moves the whole story open because Cassie, who, as I said, was spiralling, she was, you know, on the booze. Um, she's been sober for almost a year, living in LA, and she still works as a flight attendant. But this is the, this is the bit you have to get your hand, there's something to get your head around in all of these seasons. Um, she's now moonlighting for the CIA, as you do. I mean, many flight attendants, I'm sure it's their second job. Um, but one of her um, murdered in Berlin by a woman who looks very, very similar, if not exactly the same as Cassie. So she thinks, you know, hang on a minute, I'm being set up. And what you see is several versions of Cassie and she plays all of these different ones and it's all kind of pinned together in the edit um it's actually really quite clever but it's also quite disturbing so she's so for example she's watching herself have i don't know bedroom fun with her partner but it's not actually her but he thinks it's her and it it's just, it does it kind of plays with your mind a bit so it's a bit like the first one it's a bit it's not very credible to a degree but once you kind of you know, cut that away and think. No, just get involved in it. It is actually very good. There is some humor to it. It is funny, um, and I think, it, say it. I think it will go down well with people. You just need to kind of get rid of the idea that this is real or it, it could be true because it, it obviously doesn't have that element to it. But it's it's very, I think it picks up very very well from the first season. And if you like the first season, you'll almost certainly like this this season too. Did you like it, Ian?
1: I did like it. It's an occupational hazard for us that we tend to end up watching just episode one of a lot of things. And I remember episode one of season one with that great premise, waking up in a hotel room in Bangkok, there's a dead man lying next to you. And she, of course, is is best known for Big Bang Theory, but she's brilliant in this. It's It's a great performance, a great character, and... It's got a bit more of a spy caper feel as we return, because as you say, she's now working for the CIA. And it's a great idea because, you know, as a flight attendant, you could be sent anywhere at any time. And that's the perfect cover for a kind of spying job, isn't it? Yeah, I like it. She's, as you would expect from someone who is in a big hit like Big Bang Theory. She is great at the comedy aspects of this. She's hilarious. (laughs) There's a great scene in episode one. Anyway, Mm. I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, I really like it. There's some great additions to the cast. Cheryl Hines from one of my faves, Curb Your Enthusiasm. She is playing Cassie's boss at the CIA. And hold the phone, Sharon Stone is playing her mother, Lisa. So yeah, great new cast additions. I think this is a fun series. It's a good mixture of comedy and spy drama so yeah glad to see it back now we've got to that point point, out where you reveal what you've been binge watching this week so what have you been uh, having a look at
0: well i've been very busy packing for my holidays but oh. um <laughs> um i have been I, I i've been completely entranced by bgt this year i feel like i've been suckered in Absolutely suffered into Britain's Got Talent and seen some really some pretty great people. I know it's I know it's highly edited, but I've really enjoyed it. And I've been catching up on Sanderton. How about you? Showing my
1: age a bit here, Hannah, but I've been enjoying the coverage of the Chelsea Flower Show because, uh, of course, Ooh. if you try to go there in person, it's absolutely mobbed unless you're a VIP and you get in before the crowd. So, yeah, that's been... You're
0: a VIP to me, Ian. (laughs) Thank
1: you for saying that. (laughs) Now, uh, we've just got time to look ahead to what we're going to be talking about next week. So, what's on the agenda, Brenda?
0: Well, there's a new Disney Plus series from Danny Boyle, which charts the irresistible rise of the Sex Pistols, which sounds good.
1: Yeah, I can't wait for that. And new superheroes join the fray as Amazon Prime Video's The Boys. Returns for more explosive action. So we look forward to those and more. But in the meantime, watch.